1 Corinthians 11. And the title of the sermon today is Remember Jesus. Now, on this matter, I wish I could, I could commend you, but I cannot because when you meet together as a church family, it is doing more harm than good. I've been told many times that when you meet as a congregation, divisions and cliques emerge. And to some extent, this doesn't surprise me. Differences of opinion are unavoidable, yet they will reveal which ones among you truly have God's approval. When all of your house churches gather as one church family, you're not really properly celebrating the Lord's Supper. For when it comes time to eat, some gobble down their food before anything is given to others. One is left hungry while the others become drunk. Don't you all have homes where you can eat and drink? Do you realize that you're showing a superior attitude by uh, humiliating those who have nothing? Are you trying to show contempt, contempt for God's beloved church? How should I address this appropriately? If you're looking for my approval, you won't find it. I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take it, eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with a cup of wine after supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the, of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body of, and blood of the Lord. So let, us indiv let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. For continually eating and drinking with a wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even dying. If you do not set in judgment of others, you will avoid, judging, avoid judgment yourself. But when we are judged, it is the Lord training, Lord's training so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my fellow believers, when you assemble as one to share a meal, show respect for one another and wait for all to be served. If you are that hungry, eat at home first, so that when you gather together, you will not bring judgment upon yourself. When I come to you, I will answer the other questions you ask me in your letter. And Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name today. And Father, we thank you for your presence that's in the house. Father, we thank you for your love that, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, that, that he gave up everything, all that he had so that we could be in relationship with you. And Father, uh, we thank you for that freedom that we have today. Father, the freedom that we can come to you boldly because of Jesus Christ and know that you forgive us, that you hear us, and you answer our prayers today. And Father, we love you and we appreciate you and we thank you 
for your son, for your Holy Ghost, and for all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the title of the sermon today is Remember Jesus. Remember who Jesus is. Remember Jesus in everything we do. Remember in this context today means to be able to bring one's mind and awareness of our experiences in Jesus Christ. And we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember the salvation, the cup that seals the new covenant with the blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink it, this, do it in remembrance of me. Do we realize what that is, the new covenant? A lot of people today, we don't know what the new covenant is. We don't understand the new covenant, but it's most everything that that is promised in the New Testament. The new covenant is a promise that God makes to humanity that he will forgive our sins and restore us to fellowship with him, with those that chose him, those that chose to believe, those that chose to turn toward him. That's what we're remembering today is what God has done for us, that new covenant that Jesus gave his life so that we could return to God and have fellowship with God. We see that Jesus is that mediator of the new covenant and his death on the cross is the basis of the promise. The Bible says in Luke twenty-two twenty, and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus gave his blood, his life for us, the new covenant, so that we can receive God and be in fellowship with God just like it was in the beginning with Adam and Eve. We can experience the totality of him. We're able to receive salvation today because of Jesus and because he paid the price and Hebrews 10 says and by that that will we have been sanctified in other words we're made righteous and pure through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all Jesus has forgiven us for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified That's what we're remembering today, that Jesus has forgiven me of all things, my past, my present, and my future sins. Psalms 103, 12, prophesying about the Christ that would come as far as the east is from the west, for far as he removed our transgressions. Jesus doesn't, or God doesn't remember our sin. He doesn't see our sin because Christ paid the price for our sin. He has forgiven us of our past, our present, and our future sin. He has made us righteous. In other words, the new covenant, the forgiveness of sin. But what blesses me the most, and the Holy Spirit zapped me with yesterday, and just burned upon my heart that we now have fellowship with him. And what have we been talking about but the Holy Spirit? And when we receive Christ, God not only forgives us of our sin, but he gives us the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, you talk about fellowship. In the Old Testament, only few could have fellowship with God like that, with the Spirit been upon them. And now, all of us who choose Christ, 
Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Man, that's what shouting ground is, guys. That's what everlasting freedom is, that Christ forgives us our sins and God remembers it no more. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. He establishes fellowship with us that we can experience God at any point in time that we stop and listen. If we just stop and listen. Out of the blue this week, the old hymn, He Lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. That's fellowship. And I'd like for you to stand to your feet because I want to keep you alive and active today. It's going to be on the overhead here, but... And how many of you, as I can remember, it seemed like back in Bible school that when we do the Pledge of Allegiance, I could handle that. I'd always say invisible. And, 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 but when we got to the Christian flag, I, I couldn't say it. And then when we got to the Bible, I, I couldn't say that part. Maybe we need to take our Pledge of Allegiance to Christ just as serious or probably more serious than we do the Pledge to the Flag. And I don't say that out of disgrace. But I say that out of allegiance to Jesus because he's everlasting. But the pledge, the Christian flag says, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. fellowship and we can have this relationship with Christ and we need to take this relationship most serious above all other things allegiance is loyalty and commitment does anyone want to be forgiven today does anyone want to be restored today I chose Christ and I want to continue in that but are you here today and you don't know Christ he has come to forgive you and to give you fellowship with the Lord too. You just have to choose him. Just ask him in your heart now. You can be seated. As I think about uh, communion, a lot of times we talk about, you know, we need to remember the day that we were saved and we tend to focus on our experience and that's okay. You know, I remember the day I was saved. I remember the day that dad led me to the Lord. I remember the day that, that Walter was up front in the church. And I went up for, to go before the church to confess Jesus as Lord. That he forgiven me and that, that he now abides in me forever. That I have fellowship with God. We need to remember those days. We need to remember what he's done for us. The second point I want to talk about today, salvation is true freedom. Salvation is ultimate freedom. 
The Bible says now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Paul is teaching us in this chapter that we read today in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we need to evaluate ourselves continuously to see we are walking in faithfulness and righteousness with God. He said in 1 Corinthians 11.28, so let us each individually first evaluate his or her own attitude and only then eat bread and drink the cup. So today, as we prepare for communion, we need to evaluate ourselves. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, are we walking in the righteousness and the faithfulness to God? Are we pressing in to Him? Man, I I went to bed last night and I thought, you know, uh, I never have time to really be intimate with the Lord before we take communion because I'm always trying to get the service prepared. So I started examining myself last night. And uh, (laughs) I think after number 10, I fell asleep on things that I needed to work on in my relationship with the Lord. And I remind you that therefore there is now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't tell you to examine yourself to condemn you or to condemn myself, but we need to be aware of things in our life that may separate us from the Lord. And so I thought I'd handled all of it then. And, and then this morning, I began to see things that I need to work on today. But we need to be cons- consistently evaluating ourselves and examining ourselves and protecting this freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1 said it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And that's where a lot of us go wrong. You know, we see there's two parts of this scripture here. Freedom comes from operating in, in righteousness and being faithful to God. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Then the second part of that, he says, stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened. If you guys are going with me through the study of 1 Corinthians, uh, they've allowed bondages to come into the church. But as I reminded you, as we're going through this chapter, this book, that, that God didn't remove his Holy Spirit. God didn't remove Christ from the church. God used Paul to come in to cause them to evaluate themselves because the bondages were keeping them from operating in the freedom of God. And so just with the chapters that we've already studied, in chapter 1, we see that Paul was confronting them because there was divisions and cliques in the congregation. Huh, didn't we just read that in chapter 11 just now? Do we have problems with cliques and divisions in our body? We see in chapter 2, there, or the second part there, let me get these back on, but, but in 1 Corinthians one uh, twelve, uh, they talked about some followed Paul, some followed Apollos, and, and it goes on to that all these are following different ones when we, we need to be following Christ and keeping him at the center of our life. We see in chapter 4 that he addresses sexual immorality, that a man was sleeping with his mother-in-law, and the church was laughing and, and not taking it serious. 
And he was getting after him that we need to take sin serious in our life. Why? Because it will separate us from the freedoms we have in Jesus Christ. And a lot of you will say, well, Jesus isn't going to take it away. I agree with that. But we take it away from him. When we allow bondages to come into our life, we don't have room for Jesus. When our work becomes more important than Jesus, that's a bondage and it keeps us from serving Jesus. So whatever that bondage may be, I can remember whenever I got into partying and drinking and all that, uh, I'd come home the first week that I was drunk. I repented and asked the Lord to forgive me and the bed was spinning around and I couldn't get to the bathroom quick enough. But I believe the Lord forgive me that night. I believe the next week and the next week as I would cry out to God and say, God, I don't know why I did this, but I did it. He would forgive me and fellowship was still there. But after a point in time, I got so accustomed to what I was doing, I quit repenting and quit caring and quit pressing into him and eventually quit going to church, quit doing all the things of God because I allowed a bondage in there to have more authority in my life. Chapter 5, he talked about lawsuits. They're amongst the believers. They were suing each other and were to the point of we're just hating each other. Chapter 7, we're getting ready to talk about, and he's talking about divorce and, and how we need to treat our wives and how we need to respond to those things. So he's continually teaching them to stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened against the yokes that you've been delivered of. To press into him. Paul goes on to tell them when we're not faithful to operate in righteousness, we become weak, ill, and dying. Verse 11, 29, and 30 says, For continually eating and drinking with the wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and some even dying. And what he was talking about before we took of the bread and the juice, that we got known sin in our life and we're not willing to deal with it. That's what he's talking about when you take communion and recognize the body and blood of Christ and don't recognize the sin that's in your life that you know's there and you're not doing a thing about it because you love it as much as Christ. That's what he's talking about. And I'm not talking about the day-to-day mistakes when we mess up. Me and my wife went somewhere yesterday and, and I didn't appreciate the atmosphere and the things around there and I acted like a bonehead for a while and I needed to repent to her for the way I acted. We must remember that true freedom exists when we are faithful to stand firm in righteousness. America has allowed the bondage of sin to enter the United States. And Tim Snyder put a thought in my head the other day and he made a comment in the past, Americans always landed on the side of righteousness. Most of the wars we had were over righteousness. 
And now the unrighteousness is in the United States. And it's with our friends and our neighbors. And now we're fighting to maintain righteousness as a nation. And we're so divided. See how bondage and the bondage of sin can come in and divide a nation that was so strong and faithful to righteousness. A lot of you have been posting that the California governor declared war on the church. And you can't believe everything you read, but the best man in my wedding uh, lives in Oakland. And I texted him last night and said, is there any truth to this? And he said it was said and it was put out there, but it has not been enforced. But he goes, we're in a scary place. They're asking us not to worship and sing because of the COVID and the fear of the COVID. The Methodists, the Presbyterian, the Lutherans, the Baptists, the Assemblies of God, and that's just to name a few, have become divided over righteousness. So we're seeing that inside our nation now. We must remember again that the freedom exists when we're faithful to stand firm in righteousness. On Father's Day, we handed out the fathers, the arrowheads. And how many of you got this arrowhead still today? That arrowhead reminds us that we need to stay sharp. And I shared the testimony that Landon gave that that from the scripture of Psalms 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Are we still seeking God that way? Jim come in today and he told me, he goes, you know, that arrowheads really have no value unless we put the shaft on there to shoot it with. We can talk about all the things we need to do, but unless we add the shaft in and the will to do it and to accomplish it, nothing will change. The next thing I want to show you is that Paul showed us how we handle differences. And how we handle these differences will reveal our true character. And again, I'm changing to another point now, but he says in 1 Corinthians 11:19, differences of opinion are unavoidable. Yet they will reveal which one among you truly has God's approval. And the commentary that I was studying explained the scripture like this, and I think it's huge and powerful. They were saying differences of opinion between believers expose our hearts. The mature or the righteous one will overlook offenses and faults in order to maintain the previous unity of the body of Christ. The immature one will cause splits, divisions, and cliques around their respective opinions. The ones whom God approves are those whose hearts remain pure in spite of petty differences in other words, they remained righteous. 
So when we think about how do we respond to things that are going on in our life, how do we respond to sin and, and, and the things that as we examine ourselves, the, the things that we battle, we respond by walking in repentance and showing godly character or we respond by walking in, in sin, willing to split and divide and cause and, and clicks and other divisions in the body. And you say, that doesn't happen. Well, look at these denominations I just mentioned. They've allowed bondages to go unchecked. Godly character would check them. And again, the one whom God approves are those hearts that remain pure in spite of petty differences. What about the differences in politics? Do we see the politicians trying to maintain unity and faithfulness and righteousness? That's the ones that we need to come behind. When I say righteousness, the righteousness of God, the Bible, the Word. Who do we see in politics trying to split, divide, and, and make cliques? The ones whom God approves of are those whose hearts remain pure in righteousness. What about the ethnic divide that's going on in the country? Are we maintaining unity and righteousness? Or are we trying to split, divide, and make cliques? The one whom God approves of are those hearts who remain pure in spite of differences. That's righteousness. We change things by remaining faithful to righteousness. Mom was talking to me about a deal the other day, and it's hard to talk about without getting into details. But she was putting herself in a position, and I said, well, why are you doing that? And she said, so that I can be a witness, a righteous witness to them. Do we position ourselves to be a righteous witness around those that are ungodly and we don't agree with? We do that by acting righteous and acting as Christ would act. Prayer still changes things. I think a lot of you get tired. I talk about prayer and the word every week. But that's our most important things that we can have. I've been getting a lot of prophecies from a lot of people in the church. And I'm going to chase the rabbit here a little bit. And to be honest with you guys, I get so many emails and videos that if I watched them all, that's all I'd do all day. But when I get like five or ten of you sending me videos, I listen to them and I'll, I'll look at them. And I looked at one finally yesterday after getting it, or our best Friday, after getting it several times. But as we look at prophecy, prophecy, when you look it up, the definition the word of prophecy is a Greek word that means to speak on behalf of God, to speak in advance of a situation, to foretell an event, or to assert the mind of God to others. 
1 Corinthians 12 tells us that the, there's a gift of prophecy that we all can operate in. And I believe that, that it's a gift of many people here on a continual basis. According to 1 Corinthians 14.3, the primary objective of this spiritual gift is to impart edification, exhortation, and comfort to the listeners. That verse reads, but the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening and encouraging and comfort. When a person moves in a spiritual gift, he or she is divinely inspired to speak on the behalf of God and deliver a message God wants to convey to his people at that particular time for that particular purpose, that situation. Now, as I say that, a lot of these prophecies sometimes can come off as doom and gloom. There's one that, again, that you guys sent me. It was of a pastor from Kentucky. He's an Assembly of God pastor. And he prophesied about some dreams that he had of seeing calendars. And the calendar in March, he saw and the Lord said, and he touched the calendar. And again, I don't want to uh, get into his details because I'll butcher it. But he went to June. And he touched the calendar, and the Lord showed him through a dream that something would happen in June. And then again, he showed him that something would happen in November. And he told us all these precautions and these things that that could happen, and these things that could come about. And I say to you today that, that when God gives us a word, we shouldn't fear them, but we should pray because prayer changes things. A lot of times God gives a word when we're doing things wrong to help us change direction. God shows us things we are doing so that we can change direction and go in another direction. And so when we hear these prophecies, we need to make sure they line up with God's word and begin to cover them in prayer and begin to seek God. We see that through Sodom and Gomorrah when Abraham, when God came to him and was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for sexual immorality, for a lot of the things that's going on in the United States and the world right now. And Abraham said, if there would be but 50 righteous, would you just save them? And he began to pray to God and prayed to God. And and we all know the story that he got down to, Lord, if there would just be 10 righteous, would you save them? And he did. And those 10 left. And you guys know the story. Prayer changes things. And so when God shows us things, then we need to begin to pray. Guys, I'd be careful on a lot of these prophecies. I'd make sure they line up with God's word and begin to pray over them and ask God to reveal to you what are you trying to say here. But prayer makes a difference we need to be a people of prayer and we need to be constantly in prayer first john 5 14 says and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us so his will is anything in the bible where it says god doesn't want you to do this or god wants you to do that if it's in the bible and you can support it by scripture then pray around that. Stand on it. Prayer changes things. Obeying God's word changes things. And I'm going to kind of wrap these words together today. 
But again, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many know of the pledge of the Bible today? How many can we repeat that allegiance? Remember, a pledge is an allegiance to the Bible. Can we even quote this today? Let's read it together. I pledge allegiance to the Bible. God's holy word, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against him. Wow. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Do we live out that scripture? Obeying God through prayer and through the word changes things. You can be seated. I'm going to share with you something that happened to me last week to somebody in our congregation, and, and it, it really upset me, but the Lord was trying to teach me something. But I got up early and went out to pray and seek the Lord, and I locked the dogs up because I wanted to not worry about them. And anyway, I got up to the end of my road, and, and Drake finds me again, and he gets out, and he runs me down. And the Lord spoke to me as clear as I see you today and hear you today. Get a leash for Drake. I looked behind me and I didn't want to turn around and go back to the house. So I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. I will stop by Amy's house. She always puts Nora outside and I will get her leash. And so I went by Amy's house and her leash wasn't there. I looked around for wire, for anything to be obedient to the Lord. Couldn't find anything. So I walked down the road and went into Landon's house and looked in his drawers and his cabinets. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I should have. It got me out of trouble later. But, but I walked down the road and, and ended up, you know, got close to the church. Pastor Jim can vouch for this. But Jim pulled in and I said, man, do you have any rope? Man, the Lord told me I need to get a leash for the dog, and, and we tried to find one, and we tried looking and couldn't find it. I got on the bus because we always got mule tape on the bus. Couldn't find any mule tape. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, crud, I'm going to have to walk back to the house. Well, then I saw a person running back through Oakton, and I thought, well, that's what it was. That person was out running, and God didn't want Drake to bother them. And so I decided, God, I've got it now. Thank you, Lord. And I went on, I went down to Julie's house and I walked all the way down there and kind of ran back, if you want to call it running. And, and, and I got back up to the neighbors and their kids come out and were showing me a caterpillar. And we were enjoying the caterpillar and the younger one decides he wants to paint Drake and he's just loving on Drake and, and just caring about Drake. Well, the other one's kind of apprehensive and I said, well, Drake's, Drake's a good dog. He won't hurt you. He loves you. He's a great dog. About then, a large kitten came running out, and Drake hit that kitten and killed it within seconds. Devastated me. Broke my heart. And I began to apologize to them. And, and I don't want anything to ever come between me and anybody. And people love their pets. And I can remember my animals getting killed as a kid. And it just broke my heart. And anyway, they made comment, well, it's not ours. We don't for sure know who it is. It's just been hanging around. So I began to go to every door at Oakton and knocking on the door because it's our responsibility to take charge over our house. 
And when our dogs or whatever makes a mistake, we just don't walk away. We see it through. And went and knocked on the door or started to, and a little boy walked out, and he goes, what happened over there? I was like, oh, no. And I goes, your dad or grandpa home. And anyway, long story short, um, was walking back to the house, couldn't find out who for sure that cat belonged to. And I took care of it and did what needed to be done. And, and anyway, I began to complain to the Lord. And I began to say, Lord, uh, this family comes to the church, but yet this other family, I've been trying to get in the church, and you let that dog kill the cat. And you know what he said to me quickly, and I heard as clear as I'm talking now? I told you to get a leash. How many times do we decide we know more than God because things, our culture isn't the same as it was back when Christ was here? Christ doesn't understand. It's okay to, to be in sexual immorality. Or God, I'll just, you know, live with this person. We're really not doing anything. <laughs> but God is very clear in his word. He's very clear in what he's trying to do. And all we got to listen, do is listen and do it. But so many times you get like me, when things go bad, we start blaming God. When he's already told us how to handle things and respond to situations but we decide we know more than he does. And we forget about that part. Obeying God's word changes things. Listening to what God tells us in prayer changes things. Being faithful to righteousness and living for God changes things. So I close today as we need to give thanks for Jesus Christ when I do make boneheaded mistakes even over the story that I just told you that I can say father forgive me because guys I disobeyed and I asked for forgiveness for disobeying and you say well kid that was so piddly God loves you he's not worried about that well but I want to get sharpened in to where I know to do what the Lord tells me in spite of what I think and I talk to these families, we're all good, and God works for the good of those who love him, and things are great between us because God is good. So we need to give thanks today as we remember him, Christ, and what he's done for us. We need to know that the focus on communion is to remember the Lord and thank him for his sacrifice. It's not a normal meal. And again, I could preach that today is that they were getting confused in 1 Corinthians about just eating and not taking this. It's serious. When the meal wasn't about the food and how it tasted, the meal was about what Christ did for us. The forgiveness and the fellowship that had been restored. God is hosting communion he was hosting communion that day with his disciples when he said, here, take the body, which is me. Here, take the cup, which is my blood. Jesus is hosting communion today, and he wants to know us better. He wants us to press into him. Could Jim or Landon or somebody come up here and, and, and break the bread as I read? And is Jim, oh, there he is. I thought maybe he went up to Children's Church. 
He said he can learn more than children's shirts, so he goes up there on occasion. Actually, they do learn a lot up there. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Christ's body was beaten, bruised for our healing so that we wouldn't be weak, so that we wouldn't be sick, so that we wouldn't die prematurely, so that we'd be forgiven, so that we'd be in relationship. And something that really got me in this scripture here that I just read, Jesus gave thanks. Did you realize Jesus was giving thanks that he was giving his body and his blood up for us? He was giving thanks that his death would bring relationship with us and God. That his death would give us fellowship. And he was giving thanks for God letting him go to the cross. And I'm not going to say that at times it wasn't hard for him. Father, not my will, but your will, Lord. We know that prayer. But when when Christ got his mind around it, he gave thanks that God would use him to restore you and I to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We got some amens today. Give thanks. The juice, when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my body, my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name. And, Father, we do lift your body the bread that represents your body to you today and before you today. Father, we lift the juice that represents your blood before you today. And Father, we give you thanks for restoring us to God. Jesus, we give you thanks for shedding your blood and and your body so that we could be forgiven, that God would never remember our sins any longer, so that we could be righteous so that we could be sons and daughters of God, so that we could experience the, the gifts and the benefits of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I ask that you bless these today again. Father, this is an outward sign of an inward work. Father, we can say the same prayer and we can accept the, uh, the same results that will be given up today, tomorrow, the next day, whenever. Father, we have fellowship with you by our Holy Spirit. And Father, I know many will come today thanking and and wanting to be healed, to be set free. And Father, you want to do that in their life. But Father, that power and authority is there every day. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.